Listen, you're blessed people by God. Amen? Amen. Listen, uh, listen. if your team, how many of y'all were cheering for the Braves yesterday? Me either. All right, but anyway, they won. Well, when most people's team wins, they get excited about it. Y'all, this is eternity that we're talking about. This is God who paid, paid the price, Emmanuel, God with us, who went to the cross to die for you and for me. Y'all, have we forgotten what it's like to be lost? I hadn't forgotten what it's like to be lost. That's why we got to remember. I remember what it's like to be lost, but also thank him for what he's done for you and for me. Because you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It was by grace that he applied this to you and me today. So as we read the word of God, it's only by the grace of God that we have this word. Only by the grace of God that we have this blood covering that we have today as, as believers. And if you're not a Christian today, listen up. Because an angel from heaven is trying to tell you a word. The Holy Spirit is trying to give you a word. This preacher is trying to give you a word, but ultimately more than everyone that's speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to give you a word. Listen to what God says to our creator. I know it's 4th of July weekend. We're not doing a bunch of patriotic stuff because America comes way behind Jesus. Amen? And listen, I love our country. I'm a veteran, and I'm as patriotic as it gets. So we put uh, the preamble to the the Declaration of Independence on your bulletin today. Look at it. And listen, our founding fathers knew, our founding fathers knew where our rights come from. Where do they come from? We've been endowed by them by our creator, the Bible, the, 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 the declaration says. And then I put you Romans, to, uh, John 1's in there, Colossians 1. Who is our creator? The Bible says Jesus is our creator. So when you have an argument with anybody out there in the public that is an American citizen, listen, we've been given our rights by Jesus. Our founding fathers even wrote that into our Declaration of Independence. We don't have it from the king here on earth. We don't have it uh, from any other prince or governor. We have our rights given to us as they wrote it down in the Declaration of Independence. Now, we don't depend on them, by the way. They were a bunch of men that were sinful men, right? We get it from the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were smart enough to write it down that we understand our rights come from our creator. And the Bible says very clearly in the text in John 1, Colossians 1, that our creator is none other than Jesus Christ. So if you want to interpret the Declaration of Independence, you can say, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? We can quote that we get our rights from Jesus. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your coworkers, and watch them get all kind of crazy about that. Amen? And listen, there's something we should shout about. God's given us something special, and we're just letting it right on the vine. Listen, today the Word of God speaks to us. Let's pray. Father God, we need your intervention today. We need your Word to penetrate our hearts, Lord, that we would be different today And then when we walked in these doors, Lord, there's got to be something changing in our community. Something's got to change in our workplace and our homes are falling apart. No one can explain it other than complaining. Lord, you have a word for us today that we might be a blessed people if we'd follow you. Yes, persecution's coming. Yes, persecution is real. But Lord, we received that in the name of Jesus because you said we will be persecuted for your name's sake. If we do it on our own, Lord, forgive us, let us get out of the way. But Lord, if we speak a good word for Jesus and someone turns against us or causes us harm or even death, Lord, we praise you to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, take your Bible. We've got a lot to read because the Bible says, blessed is the man or woman who hears the word of God and reads the word of God found in the book of Revelation, Amen. So that blessed this morning, we didn't just pick that passage of Scripture saying, hope you feel good whenever we read the Scripture. We want you to actually understand what the Word of God says. My screw's coming out of my glasses, so if I lose my glasses, somebody's going to have to read for me here this morning. Revelation chapter 21, let's begin. John, and as you'll see, so many people, so many people today want to say that Jesus really didn't mean that. Jesus didn't really say that. 
John didn't really see that. It was, it was, it was, John was so eloquent that he used his vocabulary and he spoke in, in, in poet, poetic words. Can I remind you that John was a common fisherman? I got him. I fixed it. I put him down. Thanks, Melissa. John was a common fisherman. Yes, he knew the word of God, but he was inspired by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God breathed on him and he wrote as God moved him to write, still using his personality. John was not a poet. John was a fisherman. John was common. God used a common man to write this uncommon book. God used a common man. He didn't sit and think how he could actually make it so eloquent that philosophers could sit in a, a time chamber or sit in a study and just philosophize about, well, this isn't really true. John was trying to spiritualize this, and, and John didn't really see that. John didn't really hear that. And today, commentaries upon commentaries will tell you that this isn't real. It was part of John's language, part of John's able to speak this uh, imagery that he would see. Can I tell you, John was so common, he was like you and me. John would say, when he didn't understand something, he'd go, well, it was like, remember we read this in an earlier revelation, John couldn't explain it to you. He'd say, it's like, it's like, and he would compare something he knew with something he was seeing, and he would say, it's like. In chapter 21, John says, this is what I've seen. This is what I heard. It's not, he's not saying it's like, he's saying it is. He'll say, watch how many times, if you're marking your Bible, write how many times he said, and I heard, and I seen, and it was revealed to me. He's not saying it's like, he's saying it is. Amen? The thousand-year reign. I got a lot of email back about the thousand-year reign. People don't believe there's a thousand-year reign. How many times did you count in your Bible that John says a thousand years? Six times. Do you think God meant it if he says it one time? What do you think he means when he says it six times in the same chapter? He means there's going to be a thousand-year reign on, here on earth with him ruling as King Jesus over all things. A rod of iron, he says, he's going to rule, rule in peace. Amen? Satan's going to be bound in hell. And I told you last week, if you weren't here, leave all the binding of Satan to Jesus or to the angel with the key in the, uh, the bottomless pit. Leave that up to him. It's not your job to bind Satan. Don't spend your time talking to the devil. Spend your time talking to the Lord. The Bible says in James chapter 4, draw near to God, resist the devil, and he has to do what? He's like a flea on a dog's back, right? A different spelling of flea. He's got to go. He's got to go. Listen, today as we read the word of God, there's a word for you and me today. Mark in, how many times John said, and I saw, and I heard. And if somebody comes up against you this week and said, John didn't really see that, then you can either go with them or you can go with the man who actually experienced it himself. Amen? who's inspired by God. I choose to ride the pony with John. Amen? Wherever he's going, I'm going. You say, is it literal? I think so. And there's some spiritual imagery he sees there as well. Because how many guys have ever seen heaven? Well, you have. You've seen the first heaven. Where's the first heaven? It's light blue right now. Looks like there, right? You saw it last night. We're supposed to have a super moon. That's the first heaven. And when you look into outer space, the next space is, that's the second heaven. If the Bible talks about three heavens, it's not talking about three different places God lives. It's just simple as we would put it in our language. The first heaven is the sky. Second heaven is the out, outer space, we would call it. And then the third heaven is the proper heaven where God lives. Let's read together Revelation 21. Now I saw, there it is, mark it. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. What does your Bible say? It's passed away. Now, could this mean that God's rehabbing earth? He chose it the first time when he put this ball together. He chose this place in his system for us to be here. Now, does God rehab this thing with a, a fire? The Bible says, Peter's very clear, this place one time, it flooded all over the planet, right? 
It's gone. Everything was demolished except those eight on the ark. Peter says the first time it was water, second time it was going to be by fire. God's refining fire is going to burn this earth. Whether he's going to renovate, it's going to be made new. And also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw, there's another word, the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Is that not awesome for you all today? You think it was awesome when Jesus came to earth and they called him Emmanuel, God with us? That was for a temporary time. That was for 33 years-ish. Now we're talking about eternity, forever and ever and ever. You, if you're a Christian, dwelling with God and God dwelling with us. Isn't that amazing to think about? It blows anybody's mind this morning? Listen, me and Wendy are talking about Revelation saying, listen, we're ready to go today. Even though we want to be here, we want to see our grandkids grow up. We want to experience life. We love living, but we can't wait for that day to come that we see the new heaven and the new earth, that we experience the new Jerusalem. When I was a kid, I was always taught you're going to live in heaven forever. You're not going to live in heaven forever. You only got a short time in heaven. Did y'all know that? There's a new heaven and a new earth. You're going to live. The new Jerusalem comes where? It says in the scripture. Comes down from heaven. And it's going to land, guess where? On the earth in Jerusalem. Listen, the new Jerusalem. You will live in Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem, the city. Don't let it be called the new Palestine. It's not Palestine. It's the new Jerusalem, which means the city of peace. Or it also means the inheritance or inheriting peace. That's what it means. You and I get to inherit God's peace. That's where you're going to live forever. Where do you live? Oh, I live in the inheritance of peace. Amen? Listen, you imagine that's what's going to happen. Shalom, when you hear that, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you hear that? It's God's peace is where you're going to live forever and ever. Yes, you might have troubles here on earth. Yes, you're going to have dark days. But listen, there is coming a day, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're going to inherit forever peace from the Prince of Peace, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Does that get you excited? Listen, that just cranks my tractor. I want you to know that, listen, as we get going, let's read this. Let's continue. Then what's going to happen? And God will wipe away. What's he going to do? He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's every eye. And there shall be no more death. And I want you to get the no mores. We'll do this in the notes, but no more. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have done what, church? They passed away. We're looking into the future. They've gone. They're passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Who's writing the words? The truth. T-R-U-T-H, capital T. His name is Jesus Christ. He's quoting Jesus, his angel, showing John so many things. Verse 6. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of the life freely to him who thirsts. Who is the Alpha and the Omega? Who's the beginning and the end? We know this from chapter 1 in Revelation that his name is Jesus, the Lamb of God. Listen, y'all, this is good news for you and I who put our faith in Jesus. This is why we preach and teach Jesus. Verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be what? My son or my people, my daughter. And then there's a warning. God, even though everything's already happened, the Lord's clear, it's done. He knows that somebody 
Somebody out there in the world is going to pick up a Gideon Bible in the hotel room. Somebody's going to pick up a Bible, your Bible, an old Bible that maybe you gave to goodwill or something went away. He knows that the Word of God still goes forth, even though everything's done in the future. But before the future gets here, somebody might accidentally pick up the Word of God and read verse 8 and see, whoa, he's talking about me. Verse 8 might be talking about you today. Listen, read verse 8. Listen, with a trepid, uh, be, be, uh, have a trepid heart when you read verse 8 because verse 8 will scare you to death because you see when we say, I know who I was before Christ and I know what he's done for me. Listen, verse 8, some of us were saved from verse 8, but some of you are living right smack dab middle in verse 8. And God's telling you a word today. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is clear. Verse 8, but the cowardly, those who won't stand for Christ, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I'm telling you today, friend, you better take the word of God seriously. You're going to burn in hell forever. That's something that should scare you to death. It makes me sick to my stomach to think about people that I knew that have died and went on to eternity knowing that they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. You're going to go to hell if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the truth from the Lord himself. Why do you think he spent his time to come to earth? Why do we have Emmanuel, God with us? Why do we have the truth that he died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again the third day? He's not playing. He's trying to save our sorry souls from hell. Hell is the fiery judgment of God. It is the refining fire, if you will, of God forever and forever and forever. Those who think they're practicing these things, listen, that's why our culture is so crazy. That's why I'll stand in a moment to say homosexuality is a sin. Adultery is a sin. Living outside of marriage, fornication, listen, those relationships outside of marriage is a sin. The Bible says if you practice such things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Read Galatians chapter 5. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're good with God. God's not good with your sin. God hates your sin. And God's going to punish every sinner, anyone who practices those things. He says, you forever are going to be away from me. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. So don't tell me that your friend accepted Christ 30 years ago and they've been living for the devil for 30 years. It is not true. You can't do it. The Bible says there is a way to walk. Walk therein. Today's sermon title is simply this, The Glory Walk. We're taking a walk through heaven as we look in just a moment. But listen, as you walk on this planet, you must walk in glory. It's a, it's a two-fold sermon title because we have a walk to walk today. The, the Bible says we'll see that. We have a responsibility today. But here's the deal. Don't look to me to be your guide. I am a pastor. I'll, be, I'll lead you as best I can. But I'm also a man who will sin. I can lead you as far away from God as I can lead you to God if I get caught up in a sin. Did you know that? But look around. Look to your left. Look to your neighbor. Look to your right. That person, you might be married to them. You might be their mother, father. You might be their son or daughter, aunt, uncle, grandchild, grandparent. They can lead you far from Christ as well. We have to be so careful that we walk in holiness because God is holy. He tells us that in 1 Peter. He said, well, I sinned this week. What am I going to do? Ask him if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, says the word of God in 1 John 1, 9. And then you got to go to the person. If you wrong somebody, you got to make it right. That's what we as Christians do. When it's wrong, we make it right. Can we make somebody make it right? You know the answer to this. You cannot. Uh, we wish we could fix people. We can't fix them. But usually the person who needs to be fixed is the one that looks at you when you brush your teeth. FYI. Amen? 
That's you. That's me. All right, let's continue because there's words here. Now, I'm not going to be able to chance. I know you said we're supposed to read all of it. The New Jerusalem, these stones that are mentioned here, not anyone knows what all these stones are. They're beautiful stones. We put words in there, but some of the original words, we don't know what they are. Verse 9, then one of the seven angels, this, this old boy is coming from, listen, he's coming from the, well, he brought out the bowls, the judgments. This is one who judged, he showed the world God's wrath, right? And now he's come back over and said, listen, I want you to know I hated that job that I had. He, he don't really hate it because it was given by God. He showed the world God's wrath, and now he gets to pop back up, and then he gets to show the world, or if you will, Christians, God's heaven. Isn't that amazing? How can God judge sin? How can God's wrath be so heavy, yet God's love so light? Jesus said, take my burdens upon you. Listen, because my burden's what? Light. How many people are on a diet trying to eat fat-free and light and all this stuff, right? It's not good for you unless you're eating the diet of Jesus, right? His burden's light. Everything else, it's just useless, right? Man-made. If it's made in a factory, it's not good for you, amen? Let's continue. Um, that's another sermon for another day, says the fat preacher. All right. He says, come here, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Who is the bride of Christ? Hey, listen, if you're a part of the, listen, I want you to stand together. Just put your hands up like this and, and just listen. You, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to do this, but I want you to stand today. Just stand. And look around. I'm not going to make you say it because some of you might not be. I want you to testify of something false in the church. But I can tell you from the pulpit I am part of the bride of Christ. Listen, when you do that, listen, you, you, that's who you are. When you walk around, you don't have to be cocky. You have to be confident when you walk around saying, listen, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven. Listen, this new Jerusalem, I am going to have a place there. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again to get you that where I am, you may be also. How long? This is not a rental. This is actually a permanent ownership because whatever's Jesus's, what is mine? Amen? I am, listen, I'm a joint heir with Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are. Don't let the world speak defeat into your life because, listen, and we can't talk like this sometimes because somebody said, somebody critiqued me not long ago and said, I heard you say something positive about Joel Osteen. Listen, I don't care what your name is. If you're preaching Jesus, I don't care all, listen, it happened in Jesus' day. His apostles said, hey, they're speaking about Jesus. Should we shut them up? Jesus said, no, if they're preaching the kingdom, let them preach. And then others came and said, listen, they're preaching. Paul said, some people preach because they're trying to put me in jail. Some people are trying to preach Jesus to make fun of me. And some people are preaching because they make money off of it. As long as they're preaching Jesus, it doesn't matter because he's being exalted. Amen? There's preachers that I don't agree with. I don't agree with half of all seen stuff that I see. But listen, I don't judge the man because I'm not his judge. I'm his brother if he's, if he's born again, amen? So there's people you don't like. Here's what I encourage you to do. If you're watching, you're going to call me again. Don't watch him, amen? But don't ask me to be his judge, and I'm not your judge. But if you're in sin, guess what it says? To bear one another's burden. So as we're standing, look to your left and right. Say, brother, sister, say it out loud. You can just talk to everybody. Brother, sister, it's my responsibility to bear your burden with you. That's true from the Word of God. Be seated. Let's continue. Let's dive. Let's go. So we see the Lamb of God, his wife. Verse 10, he's going to transition. He's going to put it in fifth gear right here, and he's going to take us somewhere. He's going to give us a description of the new Jerusalem. This is where you're going to live. Get it down. If you want to know your home address, here it is right here in heaven. This is your eternal address right here if you're a Christian. Okay, here we go. 
all the righteous of all times are going to be here. Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me, here it is, that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like the most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear as crystal, as she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Anybody got this upset? Listen, why are the gates? I used to think when I was a kid, who's going to get in? Who's going to try to penetrate God's security system? Well, it's not so we'll understand there's gates, but as humans, we understand what happens when you put up high gates. What happens if you go and live over on Woodside? You're in a gated community. What's the intent of a gated community? It's to keep the bad stuff out if you can, right? If you move in for security purposes that you won't be as easily robbed or you won't be as easily a target of whatever fraud even though it's not true for earth, we know that because thieves are always trying to break in and steal, right? Because they're following their master, the devil. But these walls is just a great big picture of God loving you enough to tell you, listen, you're secure for all eternity. He don't just secure with brick and mortar. What does he build with? He builds with pearl and jasper. The city's golden. The streets are gold. The stuff that we treasure the highest, he uses his dirt pavement. That's stuff we're going to be walking on. Isn't it amazing? This is the God of gods. All right, here we go. Verse 12, and she was great. How wall with 12 gates. We read that. Verse 13, three gates on the east. Everybody point to the east. This is the way it's the east. Everybody point to the east. Three gates to the east. All right, how many gates to the east? All right, let's continue. Three gates to the north. Everybody point north. If that's east, which way is north? Never eat soggy waffles. All right, here we go. Which way's north? Three gates. That way's east. All right, let's do it again. Y'all like my class in school. All right. That way's east. All right. If that way's east, it's called the four corners of the earth. Which way's east? This way. Which way's north? Which way's west? Northeast, right? Well, sorry, like this. Which way's south? That way. Here's what I want you to understand. He goes in and makes it very clear. It's three, three, and three. You're squared in. And if you'll see, he's going to give another dimension because we see a cube. I played with this a little bit this week. It was kind of cool. And three to the west. Now verse 14. Now on the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Who are the 12 apostles? You know them in the Bible. John saw his name on the gates, on the foundations of heaven. Can you imagine? Do you think he's like, oh, well, there's my name. And he's walking around. He's an old man. Listen. What do you think John said? Remember, he's called the sons of thunder when he walked the earth. Can you imagine when he's here on earth and when he sees, Woo! That's my name! That's my name? And, and of course, he's going to see his name because he sees the bride, right, of Christ. He sees the, the bride of Christ who is the church. And who's John writing to today? The church. So what was John part of? The church. So he sees his name on the bridal registry. He sees, That's my name! And then he walks around, he's shown the city, and he goes, that's my name. And it's not over. What's this? There's something else. John is, listen, I think this was written with a party, party mindset of celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees his name on verse 14. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said the 12 apostles. He is one of the 12. John saw his name. You think heaven's going to reject John after his name's been inscribed? On the foundation of the walls, not a chance. You're right, exactly. He's not going to do it. Let's continue. And he who talked with me had three, a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. 
Listen to this. If you're a mathematician, you like this. I did this. The city is laid out as a square. Really, it should be a cube because you're going to see. Its length is as great as its breadth, meaning it's the same this way, that way, but it's also this way, all right? And he measured the city with a reed. Here we go. 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubics, according to the measure of man, that is, of an angel, he says. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony. You go down the fourth emerald, the fifth uh, sardox, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth. You say, what kind of jewels are these? I don't know all of them, right? Because I'm, I'm not a, a, I don't deal in gems, but here's the deal. If it's in heaven and it's coming from heaven above down to earth, it is the best God has. This is stuff that he wants us to see going, wait a minute, we just get a little piece of that. and pay. We can only afford a little piece of that, right? We only get a little rock or it might even be a big rock on your finger or your necklace or earrings, but it's still just a rock. We were joking with Bridget this morning and Catalyst, we were looking, in, looking at the, the gates, what are they made of? Verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. The whole gate's a pearl. It's a massive pearl. How do pearls, how are pearls made? Clam snot, that's right, right. You, we, what do we do with clam snot? We think it's beautiful, don't we? Y'all know it gets irritated and just makes a mucus all over it. It's really just clam snot, and we, we pay a lot of money for clam snot, don't we? You can amen that, that's true, all right? God makes a solid wall out of this, walls out of, out, out of pearls, because it comes, listen, all the suffering it makes, listen, we know that Jesus did suffer. We know all the sins we, we go through, the suffering we go through because of sin, I think there's a picture of that. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Will there be a temple in heaven or the new Jerusalem? The answer is no. Why? Because God's there. He's living with us. Where does the temple, what does the temple represent? Worshiping the Lord Jesus, right? Worshiping God. There's no need to build a place because he's with us. We're with him in his new city, Jerusalem. Let's continue. We've got to go quick. And all the nations of those who are saved shall walk in this light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. You know what a king's palace looks like? If you've, ever been, if you've traveled at all or even read books or looked on the internet, you look at different kingdoms and how glorious it looks. Like, man, they got it made. They got it macked out, right? They bring all of their little bitty man glory when they come into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They come into this New Jerusalem going, kings are in awe, going, wow. If they remember their kingdoms on earth, they remember nothing, right, compared to what they see. Its gates shall not be shut, verse 25, at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations to it. But there, verse 27, shall by no means enter to it anything. Here's a warning again. If you're not a Christian today, you need to listen because God's trying to tell you something. But there shall be no means enter, uh, enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or lie, but only those whose names are written where? Say it with me out loud, church. Where? Lamb's book of life. Who's the lamb? Jesus. He owns the book. How does God write in heaven? I don't know, but he wrote in plaster with fingers, right? In Daniel's day, he wrote on the wall. He wrote in scrolls. He writes on our heart. 
and he writes this. And clearly, he has a book called The Lamb's Book of Life. You are not going to heaven if your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. John saw his name in the bride registry. John saw his name on the foundation of heaven of these gates. John saw his name, guess where? You think whatever his last name was, John's going, hmm, hold on, hold on a second. Can I, can I roll through there? He knew his name was there. Why? Because he come to a place in his life, it's called a crisis of belief. All of us will face it. You will either accept the Lord Jesus Christ or you will reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have an in-between. There's not a place you can go and hide and make a decision later. You will walk out of these doors today saying, I know that I know that I know that I'm redeemed. Or you'll walk out of these doors going, man, I, I think I am. I hope I am. I hope I'm going to be there. I have a no-so hope. I don't have a hope-so hope. Amen? And listen, you've got to know that you know that you know because then knowledge replaces fear. Some of you are on the way, if you died today, to hell. Why do we preach about hell? It's very unpopular in our culture today, is it not? We've made a curse word out of it so we don't talk about it. We've made a curse word of God's name so we don't talk about him unless we can bring him down. Someone cursed God last night. Wendy and I went to Sam's and because they couldn't get waited on in a timely manner, they used God's name in vain. What was my nature? Why are you talking like that? But once you have someone so vile, so dependent on themselves, thinking they can actually take the name of holy God and curse it, their, their name is not found here in the Lamb's Book of Life. You cannot curse the name of Christ and then live against him and call yourself a believer. You are a fake all day long. And you will find out your name won't be in the book and you'll be swimming in the fire that burns with brimstone forever and ever. You will be alive more than any time ever. You will live for eternity, constantly dying. You'll know in eternity that you'll hear that preacher preach. You'll hear your mama say something. You'll hear your grandma. You'll hear that person, whoever spoke it to your life. You'll hear them forever saying, why didn't I listen to them? Why didn't I listen to them? Jesus Christ is the only way. The Bible says every tongue shall confess and every knee is going to bow and say that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord to the glory of God. Read the book of Philippians yourself. Those in heaven, those on earth, and the Bible says those under the earth, those who are in hell. When you're in hell, you will bow your knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone's going to bow because God's going to see to it. He created you. He gave you an opportunity to go to heaven. And you rejected that opportunity. And therefore, you're going to give an account to him. You're going to be forever in hell. But you will acknowledge. And you'll say, I believe forever. Jesus Christ is Lord. Why didn't I listen? Jesus Christ is Lord. Why didn't I listen? Why did I love the things of this world? Why did I chase after all those stupid things that are passed away? Why am I here? And you'll hear over and over again, and you'll say to yourself, because I rejected Jesus Christ. Because I rejected Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. Over and over and over. Y'all, there's no stop to it. My heart wishes there was a thousand years and everybody gets out of prison free. Everybody gets out of, right? That's my, that's my mindset. But that's not God's word. And he will hold you to his word. It's forever and it's forever and it's forever and it's forever. Y'all, if you think about it, it breaks your heart going, my brothers, my sisters, my family, my coworkers, God, I don't even want my enemy to go in there forever. This is the reality of the Word of God. Let's get, let me finish up here. Let me read this. Verse, go to 22, because it, it pours over into 22. And he showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life. I believe this is the same one that came out of the Garden of Eden. 
which bore twelve fruits. Each tree yielded its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. They, there shall be no night there, there shall be no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forevermore. Jesus warns us, if we keep reading verses 6 through 21, he says, the time is near, the time is near, the time is near. Jesus testifies once again to the churches. Behold, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm coming quickly, is what he tells the church. Get ready, church, is what he tells us to do. And then finally, he gives a warning to those unbelievers again. Verse 11, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He is holy, let him be holy still. And that's how we should walk in the glory of God. Go to your notes. Let me give you these as a bullet. I'm just going to read them and let you go because we're going to get on with business of the Lord's Supper today and want to hear from him, obviously, in our hearts. If you look at there, the excitement of knowing the secret can sometimes be overwhelming. Has anyone ever told you a secret? And they said, don't tell anybody. And you go, mm, I can think of five people right now I can tell, right? And, I, and, and if you ever have told a secret, you go to us, hey, listen, right, let's keep us on the DL, right? That's the download, by the way, just... Keep it, keep it on the deal. I mean, I don't want you to say it, come for me, but did you hear? How many of y'all do that? Some of y'all do that to me. If you come up to me and say, this is on the DL, that means, wait a minute, I shouldn't know about it, so don't tell me, right? Remember, I had a top secret clearance from the Navy, and I kept it religiously, right? So when you come and try to tell me a secret that I'm not supposed to know, no, 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 I don't want to hear it, right? Get away from me because what's happening is with knowledge comes what? responsibility and power, right? You have the power to hurt somebody or you have the responsibility to hush your mouth, amen? Yes? But also with a mystery, y'all ever been in some of these lock-up rooms where you get in, what's it called when you get into the rooms? They lock you in with clues. I, we failed, my team failed when I went into it because we just didn't understand the concept. But when you solve it, you're like, yeah, they even take pictures of your victory at the end that you got out of this room. The escape rooms is what they're called. Everybody loves a good mystery. So John is writing down, Daniel was told, hey, you take your mystery and you seal it up. John's told, hey, you don't seal this up. Keep this mystery. It's been revealed. Because y'all know, in the Old Testament saints, we are a mystery. The church is a mystery to the Old Testament saints. Hebrews 11, they were looking for the day. They didn't understand what was coming. They were looking, 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 never saw it until they died with the hope that they were looking for that day. Paul says the church is a mystery of God. It's been revealed in these last days. So what John's doing is revealing a mystery of what is to come. He told us the mystery of the tribulation period. He told us the mystery, if you will, of the thousand-year reign of Christ. Now he's telling us the mystery of the new Jerusalem. He's revealing it, and the angel says, don't keep it to yourself. Write it down. Why did he write it down? Listen, take your finger like this. This is one reason he wrote it down. There's multiple reasons. God, say it with me, God, had John write it down for me. Isn't that cool? He wanted to tell you about your future. He wanted to tell you about your home. He wanted to tell you about his love for you, his great, great love. But he also wanted to warn you that if you're not right with God, that you're not going to be with him. So the unjust, they're there. They're in the lake of fire. 
Jesus is going to say this. Listen, John writes this down. John joyfully wrote the things he saw and heard. He, wrote, he was so excited, he wrote it down. I believe there was a, he had a party on that island all by himself. Now, he's working with others. He's slave labor, but God gave him time to have this experience. John experienced such spiritual beauty as he witnessed the great holy city, New Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. He saw it. He knew that's where he's going to live. But when he saw his name, I, I can't believe that he got a little bit crazy excited. Would you? You ever see, everybody loves to hear their name. Did you know that? You love to hear somebody say your name, especially in a nice way. Now, if your mama says all your names together, first, middle, and last, that ain't such a lovely voice, is it? Because you know you're probably in trouble. All right, that's another subject. God revealed that all righteous people will have God's divine presence and his divine fellowship for eternity. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to be with the Lord. He's going to be with me, and I'll be in this presence. That's going to be awesome, y'all. Listen, this is future tense for us. God declared these faithful and true words. He said this, Behold, I make all things new. What does he make new, church? All things. And listen, the, the former things have passed away. Gone. God's word is sure. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more pain. You just keep no more, no more. Whatever's bothering you today was sinful, you just say no more, right? you got to deal with it here and now. But in the future, there is no more. No more. That's a good word, isn't it? God announced that the completion of his redemption plan, why? This is it. He said, it's done. What did he say on the cross when he was offering redemption to everybody who would believe? He said, it is finished. And he told his disciples, hey, don't worry. I'm going away, John 14, 1. And if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I prepare a place for you, I'm coming again to get you. That where I am, you may be also. That was a promise, right? So the place is finished here. Everything's done and the Lord says, just like he did on the cross, it is finished. The redemption plan was finished. Now the God's eternal redemption plan is, it's done, he says. It actually says it in text. It is done. Let's continue. If I can see. Here we go. I'm getting so excited I'm reading this without reading it. All right. God committed his inheritance to the righteous and thirsty overcomers. He warned the unrighteous. There is a requirement to walk in glory before you walk in glory. Capital G right? You got to walk in the glory of God while you're here to get to walking in glory, capital G, in heaven, and then on the new Jerusalem. Do you understand? We got a temporary stay. If you die before Christ's return, you got a temporary stay in heaven where the judgment seat of Christ is going to be. God gave to us through John a snapshot of his bride, and he gave us a quick tour of our eternal home. We have access only by faith in Jesus Christ alone. I know that's wordy, but that's what I really mean. We have only faith in Jesus Christ alone. Alone. That's the only access code you have. The angel of God finished John's tour by repeating these urgent words. These are words are faithful, what does it say, church? And true. Faithful and true. He revealed Jesus is coming quickly, so we must walk worthy. Ephesians 4, read it out yourself, the whole chapter. Paul tells us how to walk. Walk worthy according to the ways of God. John, overwhelmed with emotions, fell at the angel's feet to worship him because he just couldn't imagine what he was seeing. He couldn't fathom it all. And the angel, he instructed John not to worship him because he was a fellow servant. Does it make you excited to know that the angels of God, holy angels of God, are fellow servants with you and me in this whole thing called the kingdom of God? You're in partnership with the angels. Isn't that amazing to think about? That's testimony from the old angel himself, the one who brought out the wrath of God. We're in partnership with the angels to get the word of God out to actually see his kingdom come. He commanded John's attention to obey the word of God and to worship the one 
true God. The angel of God gave warning to the unjust and to the, right, unright, and to the righteous. The time for choice is over at this point. Once you read this in the text, those who have chosen to reject Jesus Christ, they're forever separated from God. They're in hell. And those who chose to follow Jesus Christ, the righteous, they're in heaven with, with God. Where's Adam? Where's Abraham? Where's Noah? They're in the same paradise city that, that we're going to be in. This is the new Jerusalem. The righteous of all times, if they obeyed God, obeyed him the way he said to do it, right? And we say it here. If you do it God's way, what do you get? God's results. So Abraham did it God's way. Adam did it God's way. After he sinned, and we know that you go back and look. We go even looking at righteous uh, Lot. That was, he seems like an unrighteous man, but the Bible, First Peter calls him righteous Lot. If you do it God's way, church, you get God's results. We live in the New Testament time. We live in the church age. And there is but one way in the New, church, uh, New Testament age. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You must receive the Lord Jesus Christ or you will not, cannot, no possible way make it to heaven. That's truth from the word of God. John 14, 6. The angel of God gave warning to the unjust and righteous. We've seen that. Jesus testified to the people of all ages. He is coming quickly, and he is bringing his reward with him to give to everyone according to his work. He blessed the righteous, and he warned the unrighteous. God's word is sacred. He warned that no one should add to it or take it away. Listen, when somebody says today, I know what the word of God says, but. Charles Stanley used to say, your but will get you in trouble, right? Small letter B-U-T, right? If you say, I know God's word says, but, I know what the preacher was preaching the truth, but, I know that song says the truth, but, you don't know my life. Listen, every time that you add something to or take away from the word of God, the Bible says you are going to get the judgment of God. Trust him. Obey him. Amen? We used to sing, trust and obey because there's no other way to what? To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. That's what we have to do. God's word is sacred. He warned that no one should add or take away. Only those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life shall enter to the new holy city. Here's the question. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Mine is. I haven't seen it, but I know based on God's commitment to me, am I receiving him as my Lord and Savior? Based on his word, his authority, my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, can you say that with a calm, calm assurance that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know? Listen. When you do, that knowledge replaces all your fear. Are you ready for Jesus' return? Yeah, there's stuff we want to do, but I'm ready for him to come. Like John prays, come, Lord Jesus, come. Listen, John prayed grace. Uh, the final words, John prayed God's grace on all his servants. Jesus is coming when? Soon, church. He's coming soon. You say, well, this has been preached for 2,000 years. The Bible says 1,000 years is like how long? A day with the Lord. It's only been a week, not even a full week yet with the Lord. Church, listen, it's time to get ready. Friends, if you're not saved, it's time to get ready. We're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is we're going to remember what he did for us. He died on the cross for us. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. He really did do this. And he really is coming back soon. The answer is this. If you died today, would you be ready? Will you see him face to face? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved. If you do, your knowledge replaces your fear. You'll have doubts. You'll have some, uh, some fear sometimes of that, like, Lord, I didn't do right today, or I don't know about this or that. But listen, day by day, you'll know his word says so, therefore it is so. And that's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, because his word says so. Amen?
Let me pray for us today. We're going to give a time of invitation. If you'd like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ today, listen, I'll be here. Uh, Brother Adrian will be here. We'll, we'll be here waiting on you. If it gets jammed up up here when we're praying, if you need to pray with God, you, you speak with him. But God's not playing with you and me. This is not some game that he's into. This is his word. He's almighty God. He's speaking truth to you and to me today. Do you know him? Are you ready to go? Let's pray. Father God, we do need you. We do love you. We do thank you that you love us. Lord, we don't know all the answers. We don't even have all the details. But Lord, we know that you're in charge. You're the one who is the giver of life. We love you and we thank you for loving us. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.